Hello and welcome to another episode of the Family Renewal Podcast. I am Israel Wayne, and today I am really excited about talking about a new topic that we have never addressed on the podcast before, and it is the topic of grandparenting. Now, I am not a grandparent, and my guest is not a grandparent, but both of us are concerned about this issue uh, and we want to talk about this from a biblical perspective. Josh Malvahill is the executive director of Church and Family at Renew a Nation, uh, Church and Family Ministry at Renew a Nation, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about them uh, a little bit later too. They're a great ministry that has a lot of resources for families and especially churches, uh, deal a lot with uh, the issue of family discipleship and Christian education. Um, they, he is a graduate of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, has a PhD in family ministry. So this is a guy who knows a lot about family. Um, Josh is going to be a frequent guest on the Family Renewal podcast because he covers so much ground. Uh, Josh is newer to me. Uh, we just really kind of met within the last two years, I think, long distance. And uh, as I've gotten to know his work and his writing, I've been amazingly impressed with the biblical clarity that he brings to issues of a biblical worldview, of family. Uh, and I read this book from Josh, which is called Discipling Your Grandchildren, and was just amazed and, and uh, blown away by the quality of the content. And I found out that Josh has a lot of other resources just on the grandparenting issue, which I didn't even know. And so anyway, welcome, Josh, to the Family Renewal Podcast. Thanks for having me, Israel, and I'm just delighted to be here. And uh, like so many others, I've benefited from uh, your ministry, your writing, your work. So it's a joy to joy to be here with you. Well, thank you. And you know, our ministry, Family Renewal, uh, we started a year or two ago carrying the Biblical Worldview book that you've written, which is excellent. We're going to come back and do a whole podcast on that at some point in the future. Uh, I think we're going to have to add a lot more of your titles to our product line at Family Renewal because what you do and what what we do at Family Renewal dovetails so closely. And I was even struck as I was as I've read through a couple of your books now that your writing style is very similar to mine. So like as I was reading this, there were certain parts of it that I actually had to turn the book over and look at it and make sure I hadn't written this because I was like, I, I know I haven't written a book on grandparenting, but just the way that you that you write and the way that you talk about uh, topics, the way that you uh, approach things are, I think our writing styles are amazingly similar. And you know, so there were things that you that, talk. The funny thing Israel, is when, when the Bible is our authority, isn't it amazing how there just is a like-mindedness in um, what comes out of us as speakers and writers. And um, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. I just was even, I don't know if I can find it here on the fly, but just as I was looking through the way that you addressed why you wrote this book in the beginning, um, you know, one of the things you talk about is how there are some, there are limited resources on grandparenting from a Christian perspective, but you talk about how even a lot of the resources that are supposedly from a Christian perspective, they aren't really biblical in their orientation. And there's a difference between just being, uh, you know, Christian in name only and truly being biblical. And so when I was reading through this, I thought this is so similar in a way to how I approach things is that, you know, we want to have our theology intentionally drive everything that we do. And 
we need to be theology driven Christians. And I find most of the time as Christians, we're driven more by our experience and culture than anything. So we take our cues from how we were raised, the way that our parents and grandparents did things, uh, the way that most people commonly approach things within our, our culture or even our church culture, you know, which is tradition. But uh, to have a biblical theology of grandparenting, some people would say, well, that, come on, that's pretty far-fetched. The Bible doesn't even speak to the issue of grandparenting. Um, my bias, and I'm sure your bias as well, is that there's a biblical theology of everything. Yes. And so um, when we think about this biblical theology of grandparenting, um, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit in terms of the biblical references uh, that are here. And I can coach you along a little bit if you've forgotten any of the, the verses. But what, what does the Bible say about grandparenting? Uh, because it does. You actually have in the beginning of this book, you have uh, a section and you actually wrote another book uh, called Biblical Grandparenting. Um, and, in fact, we'll, we'll get into the question first, but just show everybody the, the magnitude of what you've written. You have a stack of, of resources on this. Sure. Yeah. So here, this is kind of crazy. There's the crazy? titles. Um, yeah, the Biblical Grandparenting is here. And that was uh, part of my dissertation. And the yeah, Show of, those again. I, I want to go through the titles. I want to okay. make sure we, yeah. we get uh, all of them. Yeah, there you go. About so, discipling your grandchildren, overcoming grandparent barriers, long distance grandparenting, raising your grandchildren, biblical grandparenting, grandparenting, equipping grandparents, and then a DVD on grandparents. Uh, so, so when you talk about this being something the Bible speaks to or addresses, I think it's going to shock a lot of Christians. They're going to say, I don't remember the Bible saying anything about grandparenting, but what are some of the principles or the ideas that the Bible talks about as it relates to the role of grandparents and the importance of grandparents. If we open up our Bible and say, you know, look in the trusty concordance for the word grandparent, uh, depending on the translation, you might find a couple references at most, uh, but they're not prevalent using that terminology. And it, I think it's important for us to approach what the Bible says on subjects using the Bible's terms. And so that's not always... The terms we use in the 21st century, education is another example of that, um, that the Bible has a ton to say on education, just doesn't use that word. Um, same with grandparenting. And so what, is, what are the Bible's words on grandparenting? Uh, they're words like children's children, son's son, father's uh, father's father, even generations. Um, and so when we begin to look for those words and understand the context in which many of them are written, because they don't all, you know, not all references to generations or fathers reply, uh, apply to grandparenting, but many do. Um, but when we start looking at that, suddenly the Bible has a lot of content on grandparents. And I'll just mention uh, a few that are really, have been really impactful for myself and many others. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.9, uh, what I think is maybe one of the most concise passages, says, teach these things to your children, which I think most of us would be like, here, here, I'm, I'm on board for that. But the big, there's a, another really important word after that, and your children's children. And so, you know, many of us think, um, you know, my primary responsibility is to my kids, and it is, uh, but then there's this word and that it doesn't end there, and the next generation is a critical uh, focus for us. 
another passage that's pretty important is Deuteronomy 6, which all of us probably are very familiar with. Uh, most of us start in verse 4 of chapter 6 uh, with that passage, but if we actually scoot back to uh, Deuteronomy 6.2, it talks about how these things are for your sons, and there's a there's a word and again, and your sons' sons, and then it launches into what we would understand uh, as being critical for family discipleship in Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, so that word and is pretty critical. And then um, my all-time favorite uh, with family discipleship is actually Psalm 78. Um, and Psalm 78 uh, lists out four generations, uh, talks uh, kind of in the back uh, portion of that, the kind of the first few verses there, uh, verses uh, seven, six, seven, and eight, I believe. Uh, and so it talks about not only uh, grandchildren, but great-grandchildren. And, you know, if we think about how long a generation lasts, you know, 30 or 40 years, depending on who you're listening to, uh, you know, it's 120 to 140 year vision that Psalm 78 is giving us for family discipleship. And that's a, that's a huge vision. And, you know, many of us have a, a vision that's maybe an 18 year vision uh, for, our, you know, launching our kids into adulthood. Um, and that's a good vision to have. Um, but I think what Psalm 78 and the rest of the Bible does is it expands that vision and says, you know, as your kids move into the adult years, um, it's not time to take the foot off the gas pedal. It's time to double down and invest in the next generation and then the next generation. And, um, you know, as a, I'm a dad of five and it's, you know, it's, it's not easy raising kids today or at any time for that matter, but especially today with the post-Christian, unbiblical kinds of society in many ways that we're all living in, and the, the secularized influences that happen on our kids. I want all the help I can get as a dad to invest in my five kids, and God's built that into the family. And, you know, this, you know, this is an ideal world. You have an intact marriage. Father is leading the home like the Bible describes. Uh, wife is managing the home and investing and raising her children, uh, as the Bible describes as well. And then you, you know, you have four sets of grandparents. So here you have six, um, people in a, you know, none of us because of sin, there's, you know, the ideal world doesn't happen regularly, but God's built in six potential individuals to speak into, build into, to disciple, uh, the next generation. And the, you know, when sin hits and, our marriage gets rocked or our home is broken. Um, grandparents become the next line of defense to step in and kind of pick up some of the pieces that fall to the ground. Um, and that, you know, I believe that's by God's design. And what's happened now is instead of the family kind of gathering around in an intergenerational manner, the state and the government has tried to step in and take that role. And of course, all kinds of bad things happen when there's a jurisdictional violation and somebody steps into a role they're not given by the Lord. Uh, and so we, you know, we need to, uh, I guess the, my hope with, um, you know, all this, I've really given 10 years of investment into this arena is really to one, help grandparents understand they do matter significantly 
And they have a God-designed role that's very critical in the discipleship of the next generation. And to help our generations to know that our parents have a role with our kids. They're not their parents. They're their grandparents. There's a difference there. But they do have a role. And we need to open up the gate to God-fearing, Jesus-loving grandparents that want to invest and, um, you know, link arms. We're partners in this, and it's not easy. Um, you know, you did it, you know, just like a marriage, it takes a lot of work. I think it takes a lot of work working with grandparents. And sometimes we see things different and have different approaches to things. And, um, that's where communication happens and much grace and, um, and, uh, and, but in, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think we're all better off, uh, not only strengthening relationships, but passing on faith to the next generation. So this kind of gets at hoping to really change the trajectory of a lot of grandparents that have kind of checked out and, um, taken an approach that is not scriptural, uh, and really adopted a, a cultural view of the later years and, um, are, are having, unfortunately, a pretty minimal impact spiritually on the lives of a lot of Christian children. I'm impressed that you were able to pull just from memory, the Deuteronomy four, Deuteronomy six and Psalm 78 passages. I think those are definitely the most definitive. Uh, there are a few others and you reference some of those in your book. Um, I guess on this issue of grandparents, it's important for people to understand that in all of the hundreds of passages in the Bible, let's say dozens, dozens of passages that clearly um, speak of the importance of parents teaching and training and discipling their children, fathers and mothers. um, There's only one other people group in the Bible that has a specific command to teach children. And that's grandparents. Mm-hmm. In our evangelical culture, 85% of evangelical Christians have given over the entirety of K-12 academics to the government. Mm-hmm. Another 8% have given over the entirety of the K-12 academics to the church. And I think most evangelicals have trusted the spiritual training and discipleship of their children, regardless of, you know, what type of educational uh, approach they're looking at to to the Sunday school, the uh, the youth group, the children's church. Uh, They've expected that, you know, even a lot of homeschoolers are teaching just academics at home uh, and they're expecting the church to do the spiritual training of the children. Uh, and they just, you know, they have the separation almost of, of academics and spirituality. In fact, there are some homeschool conference speakers that I've heard say there should be a separation of, of religion and academics. And these are even speakers who call themselves Christian. Um, and, and I know you and I don't agree with that. In fact, we vehemently oppose that idea. So a lot of people don't realize that the Bible has commanded grandparents to teach their son's sons or their children's children. And so while the Bible isn't saying that no one else can come along and be a supplement to the parents, it's not to say that no one else can teach my children anything except for their mother and I and their grandparents. The Bible is not saying that. But it is saying that no one else besides us as parents and grandparents in a supplementary role have a biblical mandate to do so. God is not requiring that of anyone else. 
but he does in a supplementary way required of grandparents. So when I use that term in a supplementary way, what I mean is that the grandparents are not supposed to usurp the authority of the parents. Uh, they're not to uh, overtake that role. You know, we see uh, even in Genesis where it talks about this man who takes this wife uh, and he, 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 as Jesus talks about, even in the New Testament, affirming that concept that he leaves his father and mother and he takes his wife to himself, the two become one flesh. So there's an autonomy within this family that's no longer under the umbrella of authority of these grandparents, but the grandparents still have an important role. So, so can you describe for us a little bit of, you know, maybe some mistakes that grandparents make in misunderstanding what their role is? Because I know some grandparents who do take a kind of domineering authority based approach to the grandparents, like, you know, hey, I'm the grandparent here. And they, they try to tell their adult children, look, this is what you need to be doing. This is how you need to be handling things. Um, and, and really, it's it's not their call to make. But there are others who just kind of disappear from the scenario or who sort of see themselves as the, the Disney grandparents and, you know, it's all fun and vacation mode, but they don't see their role of being one to, of discipling. And, and that really is, you know, particularly in this book, uh, discipling your grandchildren. This is what you, you've emphasized very strongly in this book, that their role is not merely just to be the fun grandparent who gives out candy and, you know, gets the kids all sugared up and sends them home. And, you know, and a lot of grandparents boast about that, you know, hey, that's my role as grandparent. Anyway, just speak to that a little bit. What What is that expectation that God has for them of how they're supposed to fit in in that supplementary role as grandparents? Yeah, I'd answer that with two words, um, support and surrogate. So in a home where mom and dad are uh, doing their best to obey God's word and uh, raise their children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, then I think a grandparent's role is support. Uh, my dad is a good example of that. He invited uh, my wife, Jen, and I to lunch. Um, my mom died, so he remarried. And so Pam, my stepmom, they, all four of us had lunch together. And they just said, can you guys tell us what you're doing to disciple your, your children and how we can come alongside you and support you? And so we spent uh, an hour kind of sharing, here's what we do, and here's some ways you can join in. And they've done a great job with that. So, you know, it looks different for every family, but uh, my dad does Bible memorization with our kids each week. And so they have a call on the phone and they are, uh, each uh, child is memorizing something different, specific to an area in their life with my dad. Um, they spend a lot of time together, uh, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. So my dad took uh, my three sons for a granddad and lads weekend and um, during that, so this was about two months ago, during that time, he wrote out his testimony, uh, how he came to faith and uh, where he's at in, in his walk with the Lord, just as a, as a tool. That's one of the, the Bible's tools, methods to build faith of our children and grandchildren. And so he shared that verbally and put it in writing for them so that they have that. And um, those are just the two little ways that they have invested, and there, there are many more, uh, but they are trying to support us uh, in what we're doing. Um, I will say there are things that are specific commands to parents that God gives in the Bible that he doesn't to grandparents, and that's where some of the distinction lies. So, for example, uh, physical discipline is only 
uh, given to parents in the Bible. It's not given to grandparents. And so that becomes one that, you know, if a grandparent, you know, let's say there's a single parent home um, and a grandparent is taking on more of the role of a second parent because they're, um, the, the child is with that grandparent, you know, two, three, four, five days a week to help uh, mom or dad out. Um, and they're functioning more in that parent role, then maybe a conversation needs to be had about some kind of discipline um, component. But in the uh, in most instances, I believe that's that's something that God only gives to mom and dad. So there really shouldn't. So grandparents, if they uh, exert some physical discipline, you sh- you know you, you should expect there's probably going to be some conflict as a result of that because they're stepping into a role that God doesn't give them. Um, the surrogate piece is when there's brokenness that touches a home, which is unfortunately in more instances than not. Um, I think that that often is where a grandparent steps in. Either mom and dad aren't raising their children in the Lord, uh, or um, there's there's brokenness in some way. And then grandparents, I believe, um, step into more of that um, that surrogate parenting role that they that mom and dad are not fulfilling with their children. And of course, um, that has all kinds of challenges with what that looks like. Some parents I've found are open to grandparents taking grandchildren to church, to sharing the gospel, to reading the Bible, um, to be very, you know, be very active with the grandchild in that way. And some close the door and don't want any conversation whatsoever. Um, and in those instances, it's obviously a very difficult thing for grandparents. Um, and, um, but that's how I kind of separate the two support and surrogate. Um, but the kind of the driving factor for both really is, uh, it's intentionality, uh, how as grandparents do we, you know, if we have on the forefront of our mind, uh, this, you know, this Deuteronomy six, as we go through our days, um, as we're interacting with our children and grandchildren, you know, how do we weave that into everything we do? And just, you know, it's, discipleship's not one, one more thing we add, you know, here's this discipleship column. It's, you know, it's the umbrella that everything falls under and that, that needs to be the mindset for grandparents as well. Um, that, you know, I didn't, I read the Bible for five minutes with my grandchild or I prayed with them at, at dinner. I can check the discipleship box. Um, you know, that's not what we're talking about here we really want to see it become the driving priority because I, that's what I see in scripture. Uh, the other stuff really is a means to that end. Um, and so um, if grandparents become very overbearing, uh, you know, often us as children, we will do one of two fight things. We'll either withdraw or we will fight. Uh, and so grandparents, you know, those that have a stronger personality, um, just need to keep that in mind and have a posture that is one of recognizing a parent's role that God's given them and how they can come alongside uh, as, a, as a partner in that effort. And um, this is particularly true. You know, the Bible does talk about how there's often a conflict between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law or not. I mean, it's not super often, but there are references in scripture to that. And I think that is often one of the flashpoints that you see um, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. And so those that are, you know, if you're a daughter or a daughter-in-law listening to this, 
I would say give particular emphasis to that relationship, to building it, to maintaining it, to bringing health to it. Obviously, that only happens through the Lord, through his work in, in two hearts. Uh, but our energy and that and focus, I think, goes a long way. And um, and our kids are the beneficiaries long term of that. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I think we need to humble ourselves and uh, zip our lips and open the gate and invite them in. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen God bless that in our family and I, I believe he'll do that in, in yours and in others as well. So as we come to the close of this discussion, uh, it's very clear that there are a lot of things we could continue to talk about. And in fact, uh, may need to have an entirely new conversation just about grandparenting. But if you can tackle one really tough thing here at the end, there are parents who feel that the interaction with the grandparents is more negative than positive. Sometimes that's because they have unbelieving grandparents who just sort of have toxic personalities. Um, they're at very different values. Or sometimes they're Christian grandparents, but again, different values. They maybe don't approve of the way that their children are raising the grandchildren. Uh, I, I work with a lot of homeschoolers, so a lot of homeschooling families specifically have a lot of disapproval for the fact that they're homeschooling or sometimes disapproval that they've had too many children or <laughs> a lot of things along that line. So they feel this constant sense of being judged by the grandparents. And you said there's that tendency to either fight or retreat. Um, and what that tends to do is it excludes a positive re relationship between the grandparents and the grandchildren. Um, can you give some kind of guidance for parents, you know, if they find themselves in that relationship with grandparents and they just say, man, this is just more negative than positive. How do they, how do they navigate that? Yeah. Um, man, I think scripture gives us great guidance on how to navigate conflict, um, you know, Matthew 18. So I think it's the sit down and have a conversation and lay out your heart and um, share what you hope for and where are the difficulties and what can be done um, to see reconciliation and health. And um, I think, you know, oftentimes we're quick to point the finger, but oftentimes some of the issues lie with us. So I think we need to own that and confess that and be willing to make some concessions and changes there. And, um, and if, you know, if there's a humbleness, a openness, a hunger, a desire, um, an open door, you know, I see that is Christ there. The door's always open. He always ate with sinners. There was always an invitation there. Uh, we can do the same. And, um, you know, every day is a new day and God's a God of healing and restoration. And so I think I just want, personally, I want that to be, my demeanor and aroma and, um, and to address and put that forth. And, you know, if there's, if it is totally toxic and there are major issues that just aren't changing, then I think a hard conversation about some boundaries need to have need to happen. But within that to say, here's the path forward that this can change, you know, we're not cutting things off because that's not honoring to the Lord either. Um, but these are just for, to do what the Lord's called us to do. These are the kinds of boundaries we need to put in place. And you're welcome to participate in this way if you desire and kind of put the ball in their court at that time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Good, good advice. So I want people to be able to get your books and understand they can get them on Amazon or christianbook.com or anywhere that, uh, that Christian books are sold. However, as an author, I also know that uh, as you're an author, if you, if you buy a $10 book from uh, Amazon, the author is only going to get about 65 cents. So what's the best way that people can get these resources that helps you and your family and your ministry the most? you go to renewnation.org and there's a store there that has uh, those grandparenting books, um, that is the, the best location. Absolutely. And what if somebody wants to book you to come speak at their church or their family conference or family camp or some event? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, Josh Mulvihill uh, is uh, Josh Mulvihill or uh, excuse me, Jay Mulvihill at renewnation.org is uh my email, or you can do that through our website, renewnation.org. Okay. So there's a contact form on renewnation.org that they can click on and somebody will forward it to you. That's correct. Well, very good. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, talking about this important topic. Uh, Again, I look forward to many more conversations in the future. Uh, I I think you're one of the most uh, underrated voices on biblical family uh, that I've come across. Um, your material is, um, everything I've seen is spot on and exceptional. Um, I really appreciate that it's not just Christian in name only, that you really are uh, providing a biblical foundation for what you write. And I hope that uh, all of our viewers and listeners to the podcast will tune into your resources. Thanks, Israel. Appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit FamilyRenewal.org.